Oh. Oh, welcome, children. Welcome to the to the end of the world. And our podcast radio show, The Earth Wants You. This is a project of the Church of Stop Shopping. I'm Savitri D here with my co-host. Reverend Billy. Amen. I admit it. And this radio hour, what have we got? Empty Catholic churches all over New York City. And the bishops and the cardinals are refusing to let undocumented families come into those empty churches. And in the news today, the carbon footprint of your sandwich. Amen. And what, what, what kind of music are we going to have? We're going to have the Stop Shopping Choir. Amen. Always, Amen. always can't get enough of the Stop Shopping Choir. <laughs> and we've got, we've got, uh, hallelujah, we've got news from the natural world. We've got, we've got the New Age Wormhole. Yeah, and today we're we're live streaming for the first time. Amen. Welcome oh, hallelujah. Viewers in internet land. Praise be. Internet and Amen. That, I that's want you to know I didn't put on makeup for you. You got Ooh, this? That's, that's the kind that's, of woman I am. That's mean. That's mean. It's good radio. No, baby, that's natural. Baby, you're the shock jock of the local ecosystem. Mm. Amen. Praise be. Remember that Microzel phrase, the man without a bioregion? Yeah, I think about that all the time. I'll be driving down the street and I think, am, am I in a bio? What bioregion? Am I a woman in a bioregion? What, <laughs> what bioregion? It's so evocative, that Did phrase. Did this interstate, interstate on-ramp just cross into a new bioregion? I would man have Man without a bioregion. Microzel, founder of Earth First. One of them. We but love I, that man. He is wild and he taught us how to spike trees. Not that we ever did that. He was there when Edward Abbey stood on that pickup truck and they unrolled that 70-foot-long black plastic crack down the side of, was it the Hoover Dam? The Hoover Dam. Uh, And so it looked just like there was a big crack in the biggest dam. The Hoover Dam built by Bechtel, people. Bechtel also owned until one point. I don't think they do anymore. But for a while, they owned the water rights in Bolivia. That's right. And they immediately began to <clears throat> increase the prices until there was a riot in La Paz. Amen. Is that, did I get the, is that the capital of Bolivia? Look it up. Look it up. No, no Google today. No Google. Hallelujah. I don't think that's right, though. That's not right. People, I withdraw La Paz. We welcome you to The Earth Wants You. We have a lot to talk about. But now it's time for news from the natural world. <clears throat> good morning, good afternoon, good evening. I'm Savitri D. This is news from the natural world. The risk of death for people with mental and behavioral disorders rises sharply on days when air pollution reaches toxic peaks. A major study in Hong Kong has found researchers analyzed a decade of death statistics and revealed a strong link with the mortality risk rising 16% on the first day of haze, 27% on the second day compared to normal days. If the haze was accompanied by high ozone pollution, the risk of death increased by 79%. 
Ooh. A large international research team has discovered the earliest modern human fossil ever found outside of Africa. The findings suggest that modern humans left the continent at least 50,000 years earlier than previously thought. We know nothing. Just remember that, everyone. <laughs> In a long-term national study, breastfeeding for six months or longer cuts the risk of developing type 2 diabetes nearly in half for women throughout their childbearing years. Mm, Nearly 1,500 people have been evacuated from homes in the Paris region with authorities on alert for any major flood risk after the levels of the swollen River Seine rose further on Sunday. The Seine's waters were set to peak later, and they are close to levels which led to similar flooding in 2016. Hmm. It is easier to spread the influenza virus than previously thought, according to a new study. People commonly believe they can catch the flu by exposure to droplets from an infected person's coughs or sneezes or by touching contaminated surfaces. But new information about flu transmission no. reveals we may pass the flu to others just by breathing. No. We are in the middle of a flu pandemic in the United States. Researchers found that teens who spent a lot of time in front of screen devices, playing computer games, using more social media, texting and video chatting were less happy than those who invested time in non-screen activities like sports, reading newspapers and magazines, and face-to-face social interaction. No mention of going outside there. The happiest teens use digital media for less than an hour per day, but after a daily hour of screen time, unhappiness rises steadily along with increasing screen time. Two of the world's most ancient civilizations remain at loggerheads over access to water. People, you need to pay attention to what's going on between Ethiopia and Egypt on the waterfront. Oil companies are on track to produce a record 10 million barrels of American crude a day, a milestone that could be reached as soon as February. By the end of the year, fracking intensity is projected to exceed levels reached in 2014. I like that elephant that just... uh Mm-hmm. <laughs> the height of the so-called shale revolution was in 2014, and we're about to exceed that year. As hydraulic fracturing operations use more sand, more water, and more pumping horsepower than ever before to free oil and gas from shale rock. The result? U.S. crude production should reach an all-time high with just half the number of drilling rigs used at the peak of the last energy boom. It never stops, says David Adams. It never stops, said David Adams. It never stops, said David Adams, senior vice president for completions and production for Halliburton of Houston. We're pushing the limits, he says. There are just 76 orcas left in the pods that call the inland waters of the Northwest home. That's the lowest number in more than three decades. Numerous factors take the blame for the dwindling population, but according to biologists, one of the biggest is lack of prey. Chinook salmon are the preferred food of these orcas. Some would like to mitigate the scarcity by introducing hatchery fish, though it is thought that simply breaching the dams on the Snake River would do the trick. Breach the dams, people. Amen. An eastern Washington state man who killed two wolves in northeastern Washington state has been fined more than $8,000. That's too Terry low. Terry Leroy Fowler, 55, of Liberty Lake. Let's say it again. Let's call him out. Terry Fowler. Terry. Received the fine for killing two wolves. Do it again, Terry. It'll be 80 grand. <sighs> After pleading guilty to two counts of unlawful taking of endangered wildlife. 
Oh. Not that many wolves left, people. You can't just go shoot one. France is officially shutting all coal-fired power plants in three years. Amen. The president of France, Emmanuel Macron, lover of older women, bless him, has accelerated the timetable for the country to shut down all coal-fired power plants. The move He's a helps neoliberal. He's a neoliberal. Okay. Come on. The move helps to solidify the country's leadership position in the fight against climate change. The French have always been really good at uh, taking advantage of opportunities. Let's say it like that. <laughs> Researchers at the University of Manchester carried out the first ever study of the carbon footprint of sandwiches, both homemade and ready-made. They considered the entire life cycle of sandwiches, including the production of ingredients, packaging, refrigeration, and food waste. The team scrutinized 40 different sandwich types. The researchers estimate that a ready-made and highly calorific all-day breakfast sandwich generates 1,441 grams of carbon dioxide equivalent equal to the emissions created by driving a car for 12 miles. Okay? So your breakfast sandwich is like driving tw 12 miles. The study, oh, that's 19 kilometers. The study found a homemade ham and cheese sandwich could have the lowest carbon footprint depending on the recipe. What a, <clears throat> the ham, the <laughs> pigs? The study also that found has to be carbon that making your own sandwiches could reduce carbon emissions by half compared to shop bought versus so that's a six mile sandwich keeping sandwiches chilled in supermarkets and shops adds to their carbon fit footprint of course accounting for up to a quarter of their greenhouse gas emission equivalent packaging comes in up to 8.5 percent and finally transporting materials and refrigerating sandwiches adds a further four percent 12 miles per sandwich people the average westerners carbon emissions <clears throat> destroy 30 square meters of arctic sea ice every year so 30 square yeah they've been able to they've done a Kilometers? linear track they've 30 done a, square they've done a linear tracking of of carbon emissions and loss of arctic sea ice and then they you know measured in western consumption and what they've figured out is that humans every human each one of us 30 square meters of arctic sea ice every year so and the monkeys are laughing in the background yeah, the arctic sea ice has shrunk by half in the last 40 years uh, and even with current efforts to cut emissions, the Arctic will lose all of its ice in summer within about 20 years. Okay, under proposals put forward in the beginning of 2018, British Prime Minister Theresa May says she is hoping to eradicate avoidable plastic by 2042. We can talk later about what avoidable plastic means. Her outline plan to create a cleaner, greener Britain includes a suggestion to encourage supermarkets to that's introduce plastic-free aisles. Okay. That's 25 years from Suggestions now. Suggestions aren't good enough, Teresa. That's a long, oh, that's, a, that's a Tory. That's a, she's working for <coughs> the lords and ladies. Um, in a study, a pair of researchers from Ohio State University determined, no surprise here, people, but really listen to this, it's important, determined that consumers often choose to be, quote, willfully ignorant of how their favorite consumer goods are made, often forgetting and misremembering information about their unethically manufactured product. It's huh, not necessarily a conscious decision by consumers to forget what they don't want to know, right. said mm. Rebecca Resek, co-author of the study. It is a learned coping mechanism to tune out uncomfortable information 
because it makes their lives easier. Now, huh. this doesn't just apply to shopping, I'm afraid. This is a, um, a chronic problem of the uh, consumerized moment. It's a problem of white male abusers who don't seem to remember. What they did or how they did it. That's right. Mm. I mean, it's also a problem of, of, of empathy and compassion. It's just easier to forget that the, the, what's happening in front of you, what, what you know to be true about a person suffering in front of you. It's easier to just kind of smear over it with your coping. Well, that's but the kind of thing corporate market, marketers know all about. They know the rate at which we forget. Speaking of which, one of your items mm. was about how our unhappiness increases <clears throat> as we're exposed to now, this screens. Was, this was a study uh, specifically geared towards teenagers. Now, I would say that it would apply to all men because we know that men are m emotionally juvenile. I mean, <laughs> technically, I'm just speaking behaviorally, like from a, you know, a, an I resemble that remark. From an evolutionary, biological, you know, anyway. So it's probably, genetic. There's nothing we can you know, do about it. I'm just saying it probably applies to you as well. But this was a study <laughs> of teenagers and in which they found a, a direct correlation between unhappiness and screen time. And it didn't say social media. It didn't say computer games. It didn't say movies. Across the board, screen time is bad for your mental health. It makes you unhappy. So after an hour, there's a direct correlation. So my advice to all of you, everyone out there, and everyone in here, listeners, after an hour, go outside. Go outside, hallelujah, children. Or what, what? You could stop at half an hour and then go outside, and then you maybe could get a half an hour in later. But <clears throat> after an hour, direct correlation. Amen. I'd like to go to this song because it... Uh, oh, we're going to go to some music first. Sets the tone a little, a little for us. We okay. have the Golden Gate Quartet. They're singing an old spiritual. You'll, you'll recognize it. Go down, Moses. Amen. Way down in Egypt land Tell I'm singing, I'll go down by Moses. Way down in the Nijab land. Tell them, tell them, my faith grows. Let my people go. Keep singing, I'll go down by Moses. Way down in the Nijab land. 
my people go. Well, God called Moses on the mountain top. Why don't you let my people go? He put his commandment in Moses' mind. Why don't you let my people go? He stamped his laws in Moses' heart. Why don't you let my people go? Said Moses, don't you leave my land behind. Why don't you let my people go? Singing out, go down, brother Moses. Way down in Egypt land. Tell low, tell low, No, that was that wasn't the outro of the last section, and we should have like a completely new thing now, which is, of course, our interview of Mr. Felix Cepeda. Thank, Thank you for being here, Felix. We're really grateful. Thank to you, you guys. An honor. Thank you. So you uh, you you were at one time a Jesuit priest or uh, brother, brother, brother. brother yeah. Sorry. Um, so tell us about that experience. What was that like? Yeah. Well, um. I do want to mention I was a brother because I refused to be ordained because um, until women are ordained in the Catholic Church. Thank you so, very much. So I, ju- I just think that's that's ridiculous. That, you know, Amen. An idiot like me can be ordained because I have a penis, you know, and and, and these amazing. Women, oh, you do. Yeah. <laughs> and these amazing women, you know, who are like here oh, we I, are I, live I, streaming your penis. Praise <laughs> be. Well, Dorothy Day is is the most famous person from the Catholic worker movement. Um, a woman. Amazing woman. Now was she a not a priest? No, no. Yeah. She, no. she was a lay, 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 you know, lay woman. She was a, a volunteer, a civilian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, 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 she wasn't even a nun. She wasn't even a nun. No, she, she was a, a a lay woman, and of course, she she taught us so much. You know, we don't have to be priests, we don't have to be nuns mm. to be, uh, you know, prophetic in the Catholic Church. You know, we can do it from whatever. She was a single mom. You know, right. <laughs> And um right. and, and um so she was amazing. But for for sure, at the same time, you know, we need more voices uh, in um uh, in leadership positions too in the church. Because if we, ha- you know, because the lady is important, but we also need you know women priests who knows one day women pope. Absolutely. But but, but um, women cardinals. Women cardinals. But good, right? People who are uh, we want women cardinals who are close to the people, not these not Margaret people. Thatcher. Yeah. No. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so definitely yeah hillary clinton and then uh, you left you left the brotherhood and well they had a meeting all those all my superiors yeah and they decided um they asked me to leave <laughs> because they, they thought i wasn't obedient enough <laughs> <laughs> You're not and how did you respond obedient. like how, how i mean what is that like when you join a, a brotherhood and then you're asked to leave the Brotherhood. What is that? Oh, I, it was hard. I crushed my heart, you know, because um, a lot of my friends left, um, you know, have left because they fell in love. You know, that's normal. You know, because celibacy is, you know, not everyone can be celibate, right? And and that's not some of us just can't do it, <laughs> right? I can't. We can't. Yeah. <laughs> but at that time, actually, I wasn't in love. You know, I didn't have a girlfriend. I was very, you know, uh, involved with the mission. So I really, you know, it hurt because because I wanted to. It, this was my family for so many yeah. years. So for sure, but at the same time, um, I, 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 it's a blessing. I think it was a blessing in disguise because like a lot of the stuff I'm doing now, 
uh, when Pope Francis was here, uh, uh, we got a, a group of us got arrested uh, protesting him. Yeah. Know, we did civil disobedience on him. There was no way I was going to be able to do that as a brother. <laughs> right. In the, in uh-huh. the, in the, in the, so a lot of actions, a lot of things I've been doing to push the Catholic Church uh, to be more uh, uh, closer to the people, right? People who are oppressed and and and. Um, uh, I've been I've been able to do it because I'm not a brother anymore. There's no way I, w- uh-huh. I would be able to um, to do a lot of these things being inside the church. I do have friends in the who are priests, Father Frank Cordero, yeah, who are brothers, and so I respect them and I love them. You know, yeah. And I think we need people inside too right. to push from inside. I'm, but I'm more like on the bo- border, right, or, or margins. And I think we need people there too um, um, who can have a little bit more freedom. For example, th- this issue, I have tons of priests and sisters and people who agree with me, but they're they're scared. I mean, they, they, they're but because you're on the outside, they can talk to you under the table and, and whisper to you, well, I agree with you, and yeah, let's do what we can. And But it's hard for them to pressure, because uh, you guys probably heard of Father Roy Bourgeois, mm-hmm. who's mm-hmm. a great Catholic social justice activist, and he was defrocked, you know, the, the, the Vatican you know, released him from the priesthood uh, because of his support for women's ordination. So there's a limit to what you could do inside the church. I, mean, mm-hmm. I support you know everyone who's in there, and like they're trying, you know, these priests and nuns, but there, it's definitely important that People outside of that leadership structure also call, you know, call people out and and fight for justice because um, uh, there are limits to what you can do inside the church structure because they own you pretty much. You know, they own right. the house, uh, priests, you know, sisters. The church, uh, in a lot of ways, owns those properties. So that's why a lot of people are scared. If you've been a, a priest for forty years, you can lose your home. You know, uh-huh. right? You, you don't have a second plan yeah. usually, yeah. Yeah, right? We don't, we, yeah, because it, a lot of them make vows of property, so they don't own property. Retirement plans, yeah. pensions. You you are you are making a particular kind of approach, which is basically you are presenting your argument. You're talking to anybody who you can talk to. You're talking to the media. You're talking to priests when they answer the phone, or you're mm-hmm. talking to them when you and when I, you talk to them in person. And I've requested meetings for Cardinal Dolan. He would not meet. You know, he Cardinal Dolan meet, will not meet with you. Yeah. So, well, so, so th- this is why I've had to go to media and like, you know, and, and p- some people are like, oh, you're a bad Catholic. This is internal. You shouldn't be, you know, like, t- well, I've tried to speak to him, you know, and, and I've even done hunger strikes in front of his house. Uh, his 30 million. You've done hunger strikes in front of his house. Yeah, w- which is worth like 30 million dollars, you know, on Fifth Avenue. His, oh, his in mansion, the back, his in the mansion. back of the cathedral, there yeah. is his home. He said that, um, that Trump, in many ways, is a blessing. <laughs> he said for the pro-life cause, you know, he 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 gives thanks. What he gives thanks, you know, to God because Trump is very pro-life. He's the head of the pro-life committee at the U.S. Uh, Bishop Conference, so that is the issue that like, touches his heart, you know. And he's very anti-abortion, um, you know, uh, and and so I think uh, he he feels he said it actually in an interview at Crooks, uh, the uh, Catholic. Uh, journal uh, with immigrants he doesn't like his stance um, uh, but he definitely you know does support the president on his stance for pro-life and of course you know trump addressed a pro-life march in dc that's right and um and that's pretty much led by the catholics so th- they're they're very happy you know most conservative catholics are like you know <laughs> they, well they, except for that like women are being sent back to mexico and being killed so are they don't Get and to have a life, and that's a pro-life. Sadly, a lot of our pro-life brothers and sisters in the in the pro-life Catholic movement just feel that abortion is like the only part of the of being pro-life. But like I, I feel, you know, being against you know uh, unjust deportations, that's being pro-life. You know, you, they're destroying families and, and children and women by by you know sometimes sending them to these countries. Where, where in the New Yorker they they had a piece uh, a while ago. I was just ago. thinking about that New Yorker piece and, and how they proved how many she women she was dead within a week. 
of, of being forced to go back to Mexico. She was stopped in a uh, traffic. She was pulled over by a, a police person. That old claim that your turn signal doesn't work. Uh, and then... So for sure, I feel that's a pro-life issue. But sadly, a lot, a lot of these Catholic bishops and, and, and Cardinal Dolan, I think, is probably part of that. They ju they're just very passionate. I mean, I'm not saying he, does, he doesn't do anything for immigrants because Catholic Charities does a lot of good work here in the city, and, and the parishes themselves also are very welcoming to immigrants. But um, a lot of the people in sanctuary right now are Catholics. And so it's like Protestant churches that are helping out our own people. That's very interesting. I mean, historically, politically, it's interesting um, that that the Protestant churches are offering sanctuary to mo mostly Catholic people mm -hmm. um, and synagogues and what and, and Reform, what could come Reform from Jews that is, is very is fascinating to me you know philosophically theologically you know in a way maybe that's we are moving away from the hierarchical systems in which we respond to cues from the Pope and the cardinals and the bishops and we just do what we need to do here on the ground which is of course what Jesus I think told us to do <laughs> yeah, definitely. So, so I, I think that's great that those churches are doing that, and I think we should offer sanctuary to anybody. You know, be they be they an atheist, be they Protestant, Muslim, whatever. I don't, but I, I think it is sad that our own Catholic people, we, you know, can't go to our own churches, especially when we have more than twenty closed Catholic churches here in New York City. You know, mm -hmm. and we're selling them to the developers for you know, you know, and these and these people are coming into our neighborhoods, these big you know corporations and and hotels and and they're gentrifying you know and they're, they're destroying you know uh, a, a lot of our neighborhoods because if you if you do some research, the Catholic Church is like one of the biggest gentrifiers of New York. Like if you look over the past years, we've sold so many churches and so much property, and right to now to developers, to developers, luxury condos, luxury con and so. It's like, ouch, you know, like uh, uh, um, it hurts because it's like a lot, a lot of poor people, you know, have had to move out of the neighborhoods. And, and when these churches are beautiful buildings, you know, they're 100, 200 years old. If you partner up with community organizations, if you partner up with other individuals, I, I, I bet that we can like use these spaces. You know, we, we can we can uh, imagine, you know, we can breathe, uh, breathe fresh air into them and, and they could be spaces for organizers, spaces for, for the community. Um, I think there's so much that, that can be done with these buildings, and I think selling them to developers is like the wrong. I think if, if you sit down, even with some like moral, if there are any moral business people, <laughs> um, moral business people, a bit <laughs> an oxymoron. But, but I, I bet you can find they a few do exist. I'm sorry. Do, right? Yes, of course, of course they right? do. So somewhere, I, I, I think these churches can become community centers and even make a profit. And and, and and the archdiocese will be happy. You know, we, we, can right. even, we can even give them some money, you know, here. I, I think there's, there's enough capacity here in New York to, to, you know, to use these buildings for good and at the same time even, you know, be creative with it. You know, how can we also make a profit? And, and, and you know, the archdiocese needs some money here, some money. Leave us alone, you know. But we'll, 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 but we'll use these spaces. I mean, in my imagination, I hear you saying that. I think that would be great. And I also think, wouldn't it be great if, if our movement building on the ground in New York was strong enough that we could go, you know, on Moss and really on Moss, I say Moss, Mass, and we could go and we could occupy one of those churches and we just go take it, you know, and we take with us, you know, 1,500, 2,000 families that have been giving money to the Catholic Church for generations, you know, and, and now are being turned out by the Catholic Church and sold out by the Catholic Church who are not supporting them in their struggle against Jeff Sessions, Jeff Sessions that creep. You know, we're the churches that stop shopping and we... Five of us just got arrested with Ravi Ragbeer, you know, three weeks ago. Um, the imagination goes straight to 
occupying a Catholic church and bringing in people. Are you I, I, objecting to that at this point, or are you? Are oh, you actually? It's funny. This whole media campaign started because we were going to occupy. Uh, we were trying to occupy a, a Catholic church, and and we had told uh, Gothamist that that you know that we're going to occupy this uh-huh. day. Come, but uh, uh, in the end, what you're saying, we weren't strong enough. There has to be a lot of enough people, right? So you know that, and, and so but then Gothamist was still interested in the story, you know, of like uh, you know these closed Catholic churches. So it's we're going, you know, we've been doing interviews, but. From the beginning, the idea was reaching out to media so they can cover, like, the occupation. So it's funny. Right. It's evolved now and more of, like, just talking about it. But eventually, that's what, that's what we want. For well, sure. we're with you. We're with you. You need a radical gospel choir to go in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and well, what can we do now? I mean, what could, say, a listener do? I mean, not just a Catholic listener, of which we may have a few. Uh, <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> But what could someone do now to pressure the Catholic Church to, you know, to, to I mean, because I have a vision of the Catholic Church turning and saying, you know, we will offer, I mean, I w- I'm interested politically in what that would look like if the Catholic Church defied the, the government. You know, we know that sanctuary has been used mostly symbolically, right? It has been used in a material way sometime in our, sometimes, not very often. We haven't mm-hmm. pushed that, right, in our history. But, um, I mean, it would be incredible to see an institution actually stand, turn, and face Donald Trump and say, we are offering sanctuary here. These spaces are safe. Mm-hmm. A- amazing. Is there anything people can do? For sure. I mean, what I'm doing, you know, talk to your, to your priests. Uh, most Catholic churches have parish councils, you know, leadership councils. Talk to them. You know, do it. Do it uh, inside your. You know, talk to your parishioners, people in your, in your in the pews. You know, and talk. You know, what are we doing in this amazing space? Most Catholic churches here in New York are huge. They have so much space. You know, it wouldn't be a problem to offer sanctuary to to one no. person or a family. That's ridiculous. They have kitchens. Yeah, they we have, have a roof ho- overhead. Houses next door. Houses to next door. Yards. So I think it's important to like you know inside your community, so people to talk to your priest, to talk to your to your parishioners. If that doesn't work, then go outside. You know, uh, 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 disobey your bishop. You know, protest. How could we call you? How could we reach you? Do you have a, a I'm, I'm, point I'm on, of contact? I'm on Facebook. Yeah, Felix Cepeda. You can Felix Cepeda. Yeah, C E P E D A. Like the famous baseball player. Something like that, yeah. Felix <laughs> Cepeda. And you can send me a message, and uh, yeah, we can. Um, I, and actually, at St. Francis Xavier Church, um, is it, uh, every Thursday uh, at 6 p.m. is a meeting of the sanctuary movement in general, and we have a Catholic working group in that space. And that's the intention of organizing. And that's on 11th Street, 13th Street. Yeah, yeah. St. Francis Xavier. 13th, I think, between 5th and 6th, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. 13th between 5th and 6th. And it's at 8 o'clock? Uh, six o'clock. Six o'clock for the families. Get that child home early enough to go to bed. Right. If you're in New York City, you can attend that meeting six o'clock Thursday evenings at, at Savior Church there, uh, 13th between 5th and 6th. If you live elsewhere and you are a Catholic, please put some pressure on your, uh, your, your parish there. Talk to your priest. Um, all of us, I've said this before, I'll say it again. Citizens, non-citizens, we we have to uh, do this together. We have to defend all these people who are who are in this country just looking for a way to live, just like you and me. There's there's a uh, a, a question that this whole this whole confronting an enormous Catholic Church with its impressive altar and its its um, exalted bishops and cardinals who seem like they're halfway to God. Uh, we have that with corporations. We have that with the military. We have that with, with governments. Uh, 
Well, during um, the AIDS crisis, you remember ACT UP was uh, they were frequent guests of the uh, the cardinal in New in York the Saint City P- right? in St. Patrick's Cathedral they would bring their friends ashes, ashes. I mean into they were the fearless they were on um, the steps of that cathedral day after day they were dying in there and they were you know and it made a huge difference I was I was pretty young when that was happening and I remember it clearly it marked me mm-hmm. I'm totally motivated <laughs> by, by by these groups and, and and when I did my my fast in front of the St. Patrick's Cathedral and in front of the Cardinals home I, I remember that Father Daniel Berrigan also protested there in the mm. past I was honored to just follow in those footsteps yes. of all these Catholic radicals yes um, that have protested there at St. Patrick's and and, and 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 so for me it was an honor just to you know be there and be like whoa mm. like, you know yeah uh, the uh, lineage is strong it really is the radical lineage is strong mm-hmm. there well, we're grateful that you took the time to come all the way down from the Bronx. Yeah. Yeah, really. Thanks to lovely a lot. downtown Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. So I, I hope that uh, people out in the other parts of the world can understand. That's, you know, that's twenty miles. That's mm-hmm. that's a, that's a, at least an hour on the subway. So th- and and nowadays, who knows? Who knows when you'll get there on the, the New York subways? So we wish you luck on the subways getting back, and we're very grateful that you're here today. We'll, we'll, we invite you to, to come and, and uh, join us in a rehearsal. At, um, if we ever occupy know. one of these churches, we'll, we'll invite you guys to sing. Right? Oh, we'd yeah, love we'll to. Yeah, we'll be there. We'll be there. We love the risers inside those Catholic churches. <laughs> just, that, that varnished hardwood is so impressive to us. You know, we're, we're, we're sitting in plastic fold-out chairs quite a bit. But, <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much. Thank, thank you for being here, today. Felix. We're really grateful. Thank to you, guys. An honor. Thank you. Thank you. And now the Stop Shopping Choir.
the fields over the fish and the fowl. It was our job. It was what we thought we were supposed to do. Imagination is inflamed with the occupation of a Catholic church. And now every time I see a Catholic church now, I'm going to think, let's occupy that one. Let's get, let's go get in that one. <laughs> Imagine like big families living in there and just, mm, that you know, is the to, peaceable kingdom. You'd have to believe that the violence on both sides of the pro-life question before the pregnancy there's the the state of these families being uh, torn apart and mothers being endangered by this immigration this violent immigration process were a part of it and then afterwards the Catholic Church really has to own up to the fact that they've been sexual predators they have a culture that has done that on a major scale. So on either side of the, of the, of the question, of, of the pro-life question, of, uh, you have systematic violence coming from the Catholic Church. And you would have to at some point uh, admit that it's happening and, 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 and stop trying to lift the, that 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 pregnancy, that fetus, lift that up to another kind of level. You know, mm. it reminds me of Dante with the levels of evil. <laughs> it, it really is, it is it's a f- creative it's a, writing. It's yeah, a, there's a kind of fetishizing of fetish. I mean, it's just, I, I can't talk about it anymore. Let's move on. We're <coughs> going to move on now. Yeah. Today, our friend Ravi Ragbir is in court, and we await word on, on his deportation. Uh, lots of activity in New York City uh, around the sanctuary issue, around immigration, um, and hopefully more and more people getting involved with accompaniment, with the witnessing of of, of other humans in their in their troubles. And explain to us what accompaniment means. So it's a very simple concept. It's that this the person who is a citizen simply walks and accompanies undocumented people. Uh, to meetings with uh, immigration 
and just witness it. That it, it's the idea that the citizenship has a sort of valence around it that makes people a little bit safer if they are in the company of a citizen. Less bad things happen to them. Um, so the it it also builds community. I mean, it's a really good idea from a. A, bu a bunch building. of different angles. The communication Angle. begins. You become friends. Yeah, and and it also teaches uh, people privilege to just be quiet and listen and watch <laughs> because a comp you're not supposed to say anything. You're not supposed to intervene. You're you can't not have your iPhone in the courts. <laughs> no, you're just simply there, and you're using this very basic privilege you have, which is your <clears throat> citizenship. There was an accompaniment movement in um, Central America, uh, Honduras, El Salvador, Nicaragua, um, it came from Europe, I think. There were like Scandinavians and Germans who would accompany uh, people that have been threatened by death squads. Right. People right. struggling for labor, people struggling for um, just civil rights in, in the face of uh, USA-supported dictatorships. Um, the, you know the pale-skinned privileged people would just spend the day just going through the entire day with go to right. the market, go, go to the And it's happened a lot school in, the, and in the West Bank, right? It, there's been a uh -huh, lot of Sangaza. Uh -huh. Rachel Corey, wasn't she essentially accompanying? I That's mean, right. She stood there in front of a, she was watching a bulldozer about to m tear down a house, right, when she was killed. So the it church is a long tradition. Shopping hey, led a, speaking uh, of which, you mentioned Sweden, and I wanted to tell you about this interesting phenomenon they've discovered in Sweden. So it's like a dream sharing skill. It's it's a dream sharing um, enterprise. I don't know what to call it. It's not really a business, but they've invented this thing. It's called a jelly lock, and what you do is you put. It's like a pillow, a big pillow. It's kind of made of jelly. It's like. Uh, gelatinous kind of squishy so uh -huh. one person puts their head on one side and another on the other and then you kind of like push together you know so the jelly lock kind of <laughs> is between your two heads and then you you fall asleep you fall asleep with your head sticking in the gelatinous blob from right. opposite ends of the blob that's it and, and then, then your dreams what your happens dreams, is it sets uh, up this amazing neural network and your dreams start to um thread together i see so in a sense, the gelatinous um, big beanbag there becomes a sort of large brain. I of, guess of so. I think it has some it sort of carries electrical impulses. And what they've even documented people having full, like, adventurous conversations together in the jelly lock. This is horse shit. <laughs> this is horse shit. And on that note. <laughs> people, extinction's got talent. <clears throat> The Kawaii bird, which I regret to inform you, is already extinct, last seen in 1987. Uh, the Kawaii is also known as the Ua, which I can't say. Uh, it's just spelled O-O-A-A. -A. I don't know how to pronounce it. It's a blackbird. What's the other word for the blackbird family? Uh, pass, passerine? Is that right, Billy? Is that the Latin phrase for it's black a black birds? bird that measures approximately eight inches long. Its belly and undertail um, coverts are brown, and its throat is streaked with white. It has yellow leg feathers, which stand out against its black body. 
their numbers declined drastically during the 1900s. Upon rediscovery in the 60s, the estimated population was just 36 birds. In 1981, only one pair of OO were found. The bird was last heard in 1987. The exact reasons for their decline are not known, but avian diseases and land clearing are believed to be major factors. And here, the beautiful sound of the Kwayo. Oh, amen. <laughs> kind of a, 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 a whipsaw effect there, going from <laughs> your New Age wormhole uh, joke to the, the beautiful Kawaii bird. Um, I think we're imitating real life there. I think, that, I think that in the course of modern life, we have to go from uh, tragedies to um, humor <laughs> in very quick succession. Amen. Hallelujah. Is it time to preach a little bit? Amen. Praise be. Ah. Uh. We've had a, 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 an Earth Wants You hour sharing with some of you. And um, we've taken this journey from, from extinction to the, the glory of, of being free to express with a really, really important, brave activist here in our, in our studio in, in Brooklyn, Felix Cepeda, uh, going from the pain that we have with the immigrant families, the six, 700,000 undocumented people here in New York City, uh, representing so many more millions across the country who are, it seems just victims of an attack, a conscious attack, by what, what looks like corporate marketers combined with a, an insane man who's our president. Uh, the victimization of, of families, the psychological attack on children. 
We've been talking about sanctuary, a safe place. And then at the same time, we're earth justice people. We can't help but think about the safe place that life itself must have. We just heard the beautiful call of the Kauaio bird, which ultimately did not have a safe place to live in Hawaii. But for all of us right now, having a safe place to be is very much a, a, a response to the built environment that we live in, where we're, we're saturated, we're immersed in products. Militarism and consumerism are, are a flood coming from the 1% violent and profit-taking, and we are the extractive resource. We're the fossil fuel. And they're just discovering right now how far they can push us, how cruel they can be, to what extent they can, they can use us as, well, in their marketing meetings, they call us inventory. <laughs> and when they have some shift in their corporate in their corporate plans, they call us pushback. They have a way to talk about us in which we're not souls at all. We're not, we're not carrying life forward. We're, we're not the beings who would, who would turn to the earth and accept from the earth the gift of life and then give back to the earth the gift of life by protecting the earth from those corporations. No, we're just pushback. And they set aside money in advance to sue us to send police against us. Defending our friend Ravi Ragbir uh, a few weeks ago. Ravi, we're with you now. You're, you're in court right now. We bless you. We pray for you. We were fighting police, and a lot of them were people that we pay for with our taxes. Even though we are a sanctuary city, all the electeds are saying we're a sanctuary city, we're not going to co-op cooperate with the immigrant people who are working for Donald Trump. But they, felt it, they fell into that cultural battle with us. They just automatically went with people that had uniforms like them. And they did not submi submit to civilian authority. We could not, at that point, make a safe place for Ravi. And we could not make a safe place for ourselves. All we could do, all we could do was do that dance of resistance. Sometimes that's all we can do. That's what Felix is doing right now, standing up to the cardinal who won't meet with him, trying to get those vast, empty cathedrals to accept the needs of undocumented families. Let them live there. We'll do what we can right now, and if we don't have that space available right now to walk into, we will fight, we will push, we will shout. Some of you might join us tomorrow. We're going to go into Trump Tower. We're going to go to the fifth floor of Trump Tower at 725 Fifth Avenue. We're going to go up there, and we're going to shout and sing and pray. Pray to the earth. The earth will open up space for us. We're here we're invited by the earth to live here. We're going to find a safe place to live tomorrow. Join us at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time tomorrow. I don't think we're going to live stream it, are we? Amen. Not tomorrow. Some of you might, might be here with us in your live bodies. Amen. Open up space with us tomorrow.
Hallelujah.